Amen. Can you thank our worship team this morning? Been very sharp. I know this living room thing, it's really hearkening back to uh, our team's Pacific Northwest roots. Uh, you know, is it? It's very Seattle-y. I mean, Patrick over here with his beanie, it looks good. Yeah. Uh, we're excited. We. Uh, I had a good Thanksgiving. I don't know if you guys, I love Thanksgiving. I like the time with family. Our family, you know, looks maybe different than a lot of families. Our family is made up of people in our church family and people that we call family, that we do life with, um, that we believe are united by heart and soul. And so we had some good time. We had a lot of food. Did anyone eat a lot of food? Right? A lot of food. Uh, I think it's interesting that we say turkey makes us sleepy as if eating for six continuous hours isn't actually doing it. Uh, you know, when you eat a lot of food, there, man, this feels really loud. Is this really loud? Or is this stressing me out? Yeah, it's good. We're good. All right, you guys let me know. When you eat a lot of food, how many of you guys get that feeling where you just, you want to take a nap? You're like, immediately, I eat a lot of food, I'm ready to nap, I'm, right? Because when you're fully all in in the physical, your mental is just like nap football, right? I'm ready to relax. I'm ready to, to just chill out. And that is a lot of Thanksgiving is just spending that time. And I wanted to take a little bit of a, a break from our series before we begin our Holy Moment series and just teach a little bit. I'm naturally at, at my heart a philosopher. That's what I studied, philosophy, and then uh, I guess my master's in theology. But uh, I, it's really my desire to, to pursue and to understand and to think through the ways that we're living and to seek the Lord in that way. And so I get, I don't know about you guys, but I... I when I have time to slow down, I really love to just sit back and think. And so I've been thinking a lot of Thanksgiving, and I was thinking of this moment where um, I love pie. I love, um, my mom is incredible at making pies. My family have been bakers. They're so good at it. And there was this moment where, you know, after dinner, they brought out the pie, and I'd been eating since noon all day, right? And so in my opinion, the best part of the meal had arrived and I was too full to eat pie, which is so Western culture, right? Um, I was like, wow, I'm too full to eat this thing that I've actually been waiting for. And it, and it honestly made me think, because I'm naturally introspective as a person, it made me think that this struggle on a holiday, struggle in, you know, quotations, is indicative of the, the tension and the, and the wrestling within culture at large. That what we see every day on TV or social media is a world telling us that we need to fill our life with this thing or that thing to make us really fulfilled. And it's interesting that as we, as I'm watching football, like every other ad is about food and I'm like, man, I'm feeling hungry. But the reality is advertising doesn't actually put hunger within us. We are already naturally hungry as people. When I mean hungry, I'm not just talking about food. Within every one of us as people is a natural hunger for more. It lives within our flesh. And so what a lot of the marketing seeks to do, and I did communications and I did marketing for a, for a while in my life, is marketing seeks to direct that hunger towards a fillable outcome, meaning let's take that hunger that is naturally already existing and let's just kind of redirect it towards something that we can provide the product for. And so 
every day, and this is, I'm not saying this is necessarily wrong, but every day we're seeing a world and a culture that's pushing us to fulfill every desire and trying to find the thing that will fill us and make us happy. To the point that, and, and interestingly enough, I think many Christians today are full yet unfulfilled. That many believers today in the Western world and in this place of abundance that we live in are full of things and yet mildly, if not greatly, unsatisfied. America is truly a blessed nation. And yet the greatest question is how can we as American Christians have access to so many wonderful things, food or resources or cars or vacations, and yet many report, many believers report feeling greatly unsatisfied. And the answer is it's because we're more than just fleshly, physical beings. We were created for more than to simply fulfill physical desires. But many of us have been so full, like the turkey dinner and the stuffing and the potatoes and the, I don't know, whatever you have, mac and cheese or whatever that green bean thing is that still lives on for some reason. We're so full of those things that when when, when we're offered something that we truly desire, for me it was pie, for, for you it could be, I don't know, restored marriage. We're offered the things that we truly desire. We're too full of other things. And the reality is we were created for more than just fulfilling physical desires. We were created for more than to simply be physical beings. We were created by God in his image for his glory. Did you know that? That you and I, we were created in God's image for his glory. Genesis 1.27 tells us, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Since you and I are created in the image and the likeness of God, then we are created to be more than simply physical beings. We're multifaceted, or to, to use a word that unfortunately has been kind of taken by, by modern liberal culture and adapted. We are holistic beings. Let me explain it. I'm going to use the, the anagram pies because I like pie, right? We are physical beings. We're intellectual beings. We're emotional. And then we're going to put two S's on pie because that's all I can do. We're spiritual and we're social, right? We're physical. We're intellectual. We're emotional. We're social and we're spiritual. People say, well, we're, we're just physical beings having a spiritual experience. And oftentimes many people will run out and look for some kind of spiritual experience. But the reality is we're not just physical beings. In fact, of all the parts of our being, the physical part is one of the least profound and eternal parts of our being. Because our physical being is the one part that's not going to last forever. When we're in heaven, we're, we're not going to be physical beings. We're not going to have the same physical body. But will we still have emotions? Will we still not lavish love on God? Will we still not have minds that can think and process and praise the Lord? Will we still not be social beings who are part of an eternal chorus singing the praises of the Lord? Sure. But for eternity, we're going to be spiritual beings living in a heavenly reality. Did we just get too philosophical? Did that go too far? <laughs> no, we're okay. Philippians 3.20 tells us our citizen, says, but our citizenship is in heaven. 
And from it, we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. See, our modern world isn't great at this, but the ancient world recognized that the spiritual and the physical were not separate. See, we live in a world that thinks there are spiritual things and then there are what we would call secular things. And so for you in, in your job, right, you have your job and that's secular, then you would say, but pastor, your job, that's a spiritual job. My job is a secular job. It's simply not true. And for thousands and thousands of years before the scourge of postmodernism, people believed those things to be intimately linked. They didn't believe them to be separate externally, like angels, demons, spiritual forces. They didn't believe those things to be separate. They're like the natural world and the supernatural world are coexisting together. But they also didn't believe them to be separate internally, meaning that you and I are both physical and spiritual beings, that they are, they are linked within us together. That's how we can say the spirit dwells within us. That's a spiritual reality. Like what organ does he dwell in? Is he in my appendix? So if you don't have appendix, you don't have the spirit. Explains why he can't speak in tongues. <laughs> no, it's a spiritual reality. Are you still with me? And so our being is more than just physical. But here's an important part as we understand our humanity. Without Christ... The nature of that being is fallen and sinful. Without Christ and what he did on the cross, the nature of our being is fallen and sinful. That's why scripture says when we come to Christ, we crucify our flesh with him. Galatians 5.24, I think it's going to be on the screen here. It says, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh the flesh with its passions and the flesh with its desires. So not only are we crucifying the flesh, we're crucifying the flesh with its passions and its desires. Now it's important that this word flesh does not mean bodies. Now, what we do with our body is part of our flesh, right? But if it was just that, hey, crucifying your flesh meant crucifying your literal physical body, that would, we would get nobody to sign up for that, right? Or very few people, right? Oh, who, who said yes to Jesus? Get your Bible and head out of the parking lot. We're going to crucify you next to the handicapped spots. That would not go well, right? Because it's not just our physical flesh or our physical body and and that's important to remember because there have been traditions that have treated the physical body poorly there's been all the way down to in christian traditions people that would scourge themselves or whip themselves because their physical body was evil or different practices would be undertaken because the physical body but listen god created you with bodies right what did he put in the garden two naked bodies he made the body Right? He made human bodies. So it's not just our physical body. The word flesh means our entire being, the pies, right? Physical, intellectual, emotional, social, spiritual. Our entire being is fallen and sinful. When it's talking about the flesh, it's saying our entire being that is fallen and all of the desires of that entire being that is fallen. That's why in Galatians 5.16, he says, but I say walk by the spirit and you will not desire gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, capital S, 
the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do so for those who follow Christ then we've been given his Holy Spirit we're spiritual beings through the resurrection and so now as followers of Christ we no longer serve those desires of the flesh lust, greed, anger on and on and on but our whole being is supposed to be alive in Christ and in his goodness but here's the rub it is not easy to daily lay down our whole being and walk according to the spirit fair daily we have to submit this flesh to God and walk in his death and resurrection we have to reject the thinking of the world. It says, be satisfied in your flesh here. 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 And instead, we have to pursue a heavenly reality. That's why when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them this in Matthew 6. He said, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven that's a prayer seeking a heavenly reality the prayer of believers is to say daily would we seek a heavenly reality that is counter to the desires of the flesh would we seek that manifest here on earth you know what that's called that's called revival Often we think of revival as this big breakout thing or this event or, I don't know, some Pentecostal action of, people, of old people in suits all dancing like this and sprinting through old buildings. That's not revival. That's performance. Revival is when a heavenly reality becomes manifest here on earth in our lives. Revival is seeking the will of God to be done in and through us. Revival is when we say, God, I don't want to be satisfied solely in my flesh, but I want to operate according to the Spirit and in every part of my life, in my intellect, in my emotions, in my, in my relationships, in my physical body, in my, in my mind, every part of it in my, in my spiritual walk with you. I want your kingdom to come and your will to be done in my life. And as believers, that's what we should be hungering for, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. How is it done in heaven? With complete and absolute perfection and authority. So then we have another question. How do we begin to move towards, since we're not perfect, the perfection and authority of the kingdom of heaven? Do we just wake up one day and we just, we're there, there's revival present in our life? Do we just wake up one day? I feel like many believers are just waiting to attend church long enough that they might wake up one day and just be the perfect Christian. But if we hunger for his will to be done here in the same authority and power and perfection as heaven, God gives us tools to move us and to lead us and to guide us towards it, and they're called spiritual disciplines. Now, that's not a very sexy phrase, spiritual disciplines, but it's really important. Why is it important? Because spiritual disciplines prepare our, or train our hearts for revival and teach us how to live out a relationship with the risen Lord. Did you get that? Spiritual disciplines train our hearts for revival and teach us how to live out a relationship with the risen Lord. Spiritual disciplines, they're not something to earn points with God. 
as Nowen once said, that they provide space for God to act. They're a loving response to a loving God where each of us, we begin to work out our salvation and participate in relationship with the Lord and trust him to do the transformative work within us. That's why Paul says in Philippians, therefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, so now, not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it's God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. So there's three big spiritual discipline practices, prayer, worship, and fasting. So you already did two this morning, congrats. You're two thirds of the way there, right? I feel like worship we get, right? Worship we get, like corporate worship we get. Worship we kind of understand, right? We, we, you practice that fairly regularly. If I said, how many of you have worshiped this week? You could all raise your hand because you were all here. Even if you snuck in, you maybe caught the last like, uh, and you were there, you were there for it, right? prayer how many of you prayed well we all just prayed together right we all just prayed it was awesome you did guys did great so we all just prayed how about fasting how are you feeling on that one now this isn't a checklist towards spiritual greatness but i just say that to say two of those we feel really good on one of those is usually a little more struggle for us that's because fasting is often the most neglected spiritual discipline ironically not globally and not even amongst other traditions, but within Western uh, uh, Protestantism, fasting is a very neglected act, which is wild because fasting is actually a holistic act with deep spiritual implications. We're going to do a 21 days of prayer and fasting. And I was like, when can we begin to teach on fasting? And I said, perfect. Let's teach right after we all ate a bunch of food on Thanksgiving. <laughs> There's no better time. Fasting is a holistic act with deep spiritual implications. It's actually one of the most holistic practices we've been given in Scripture. Because on the surface, fasting is abstaining from food or drink for a designated period of time. And the thing that's helpful in our tradition is that fasting has actually become semi-in vogue from a healthcare side. Like, people, everyone tell me, oh, I can't go to lunch, I'm... I'm um, intermittent fasting we got to wait till i don't know two o'clock or whenever i can eat i'm like well i eat at 11 so we'll get coffee right but intermittent fasting and things like that are, are are pretty common but that's that's dieting fasting as we're speaking is not dieting fasting as we're speaking about as scripture speaks is purposely abstaining from fulfilling physical desires with the intent of focusing more and in a greater sense on our spiritual desires and fasting is incredible because it deeply affects our physical and mental being. How many of you have ever fasted before? How, what, immediately the two things that were affected, your body and your mental state, right? Especially if you fasted for a long time. It tests whether we actually have the self-control that we claim to want as a fruit of the Spirit. It asks questions of our mind and our body. It forces us to slow down. It forces us to rest. It forces us to be still. Things that would often not happen in our busy daily lives. And importantly, fasting in a world that is constantly ignoring the spiritual side of ourselves, fasting brings it glaringly and almost inconveniently to the forefront of our daily lives. It becomes our purpose, our pursuit, and our hunger almost immediately. 
it becomes the forefront of our life. Have you noticed this when you did the corporate fast with Banner? How many more times you spoke on your faith because it was more of a, of a almost borderline inconvenient portion of your daily life? Hey man, why aren't you eating that? Well, because filled in the blank, right? You're like, hey, how come you're not doing this? How come you're not going out with us to this? Well, because I'm doing fill in the blank. In a world that's like, do whatever you want. Fasting, it makes us stop and it makes us reevaluate and it makes us be intentional. But most importantly, fasting cultivates our hearts for revival. Fasting as an act prepares the people of God for him to move in and through them. Fasting cultivates our hearts for revival. Remember what I said about revival is his kingdom come, his will be done in power and authority in our lives. Fasting cultivates our hearts for revival. The prophet Joel in telling of the coming of the Holy Spirit, which is true revival, right? He called for a fast and he said in Joel 2, 12, he said, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning and rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to the Lord your God for he's gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. He's speaking to the people of Israel. He's saying, listen, it's time. And they called a national fast. He said, it's time to begin to prepare your heart to be fully and solely about the Lord. You've been pursuing simply physical things. And he said, you need to begin to set your mind on heavenly things. And he said, after the fast in Joel 2, 28, we can toss that up. Joel 2, 20 says, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, that your sons and daughters shall prophesy, that your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Church, did you know that we live in the afterward? where God has poured out his spirit and yet many of us have not prepared a place in our heart for revival to begin to take root. See, this is revival. And the afterward where the spirit was poured out, where the mighty God is manifest in our lives and in our heart and indwelt. And yet how many of us and how many churches are living with the reality that the God who I speak in the universe was created now lives and dwells within you. And again, that's not to put us down. Life is just busy. But fasting begins to cultivate a heart. It begins to put a readiness within us, a readiness for revival to begin to happen in our heart and in our spirit. And it's all throughout scripture. When Moses began to be prepared to receive the new covenant, when he went up to get the 10 commandments, did you know that he fasted for 40 days? Daniel, when he was praying for revival, when he was seeking for demonic plans to be destroyed, when he was seeking for a move of God in the nation, he fasted. When Israel was seeking repentance, when they were looking for national alignment, when they were looking for help in times of war, when they were overwhelmed, they fasted. When Jesus went to begin his ministry, when he went to really begin the ministry of being the new covenant, he went away and fasted for 40 days. When the church went to send out disciples, guess what they did? Somebody. They fasted. You're with me. Good. They fasted. So if it was for Moses, and if it was for Daniel, and if it was for Israel, and if it was for Jesus, and if it was for the church, it's for us. 
See, fasting has always been an important part of how God's children prepare for a move of God in them and through them. And I get it. In the modern world, life is really busy. And I think we need to be honest. None of us, I, I don't think, are like going through our day going, I got to try to not focus on God today, right? I got to try to not focus on the spiritual. I got to get through the day, no thinking about anything spiritual today. No. But if we were honest <laughs> and really honest, it's much easier to just go through the motions and forget about the profound heavenly reality that we've been born into. And the profound reality, heavenly reality of the Holy Spirit within us. Right? We go through the day, we answer, we get to work, we immediately start putting out fires on email, right? We get to work, we immediately start fixing things, right? We got, we immediately start checking Instagram to see who sent us the funniest meme, right? We get to lunch, then like our day's pretty much over, so we coast through the last hour or two. We got to answer some more emails, go to some more meetings. We get home. When we get home, the kids are going crazy, right? So you got to help get them settled, get the homework done. That's a new reality for me, homework. I'm going to tell you right now, not good at helping with homework. We get them done with the homework. It's time to eat dinner. We eat dinner. We get them ready for bed. They go to bed. By the time they're in bed, it's 830. And then I'm ready for bed because I got to get up and I got to work out and, you know, feed the chicken, you know, do all kinds of stuff. And it's like, at what point did I have the reality that I'm a spiritual being full of the Holy Spirit who's part of a tradition that laid hands on people and saw them healed? At what part of the day did I pause and remember that? And so spiritual disciplines, what they do is they help us to stop and to pause, to not miss the Holy Spirit and the born-again life that we've been given. See, they haven't been given to discipline us as in to, to, to put us down or to correct us. They've been given to us to give us a sense of discipline that doesn't miss the beautiful thing that God has set before us. It's like training our eyes to see in the kingdom and see the possibility of the kingdom. To stop worrying about filling our flesh and begin to cry out to God, your kingdom come, your will be done. Here in the valley, in my family, here on earth as it is in heaven, that your kingdom, God, would come, that your will would be done in my marriage as it is in heaven, in my neighborhood as it is in heaven, in my workplace as it is in heaven, that we would begin to see revival burst forth, not in some corporate gathering, but in every single life, in the streets, in the homes, in the schools, in the workplaces, and that we would then be able to come together on a Sunday morning and celebrate revival bursting forth, not trying to force it to break out, but to say, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is what fasting does. Band, you guys can come up. As a church, we start the new year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And like I said, it's always hard. Like, when do we slide teaching about this in during Christmas? So we did it now. You guys followed along really well. But we do this in every year. Someone's like, man, I don't know if this is something that I can do, if I can, if I can fast or I can be a part of something like that. And I just tell them, like, man, take, we're going to have a prayer and fasting guide. I'm like, take the guide. It explains all sorts of different types of fasting. And just set a goal and just see what happens. And every year we see God move in powerful ways. And can I tell you, I don't believe that's because God is like, oh, what's happening? Okay, now I'll show up at Banner. I believe it's because God is present here right now. 
His spirit is here right now. His spirit is with you. And yet daily our attentions and our affections are set on other things. And it's amazing what happens when our affections and our attentions began to be set on God all day. And, there, and we begin to see him move in mighty ways. Are you with me? Fasting does not earn you the attention and affection of God. Fasting redirects our attentions and affections towards God. And says, God, we're ready for your kingdom to come and your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So how do we do it? Some quick things, okay? Three quick things. One, set an intentional time to fast and pray. I just encourage you, maybe it's a sunup till sundown fast. Maybe it's a 24-hour fast. Whatever it is, set a time and say, I'm going to abstain from food and drink. Obviously, you all have different health needs. Uh, if you do a long fast, you got to talk to a doctor, all those things. I mean, don't hurt yourself. Stretch yourself. Don't hurt yourself. But set a time, and I really encourage you, do it with somebody. Because you need somebody who's going to keep you going when you want to give up, even if it's an eight-hour fast. If you've not fasted, you need a homie who's going to be like, listen, dude, this is two meals. You're going to make it, right? right? But we need that person. It's easy to quit alone. It's harder to quit on someone else. So doing it together is great. You say, you know what? We really want, man, you're like, man, I'm preparing for something new in this season. I got a new relationship, a new opportunity, a new job, whatever it might be. Or maybe you're like, God, I'm just, I need, I want that alignment with you. It's a regular practice. The followers of Jesus fast. So we, we, we fast. Jesus says, they're like, hey, how come your followers aren't fasting? He's like, don't worry. When I leave, they're going to fast. <laughs> and we see it acts. What did they do? They fasted and prayed. So set a 24-hour period. Do it with somebody. Second thing you could do is engage in a corporate fast. Now, we don't do a corporate fast before men to seek their glory. We do it before God for his glory. But we do it together because it's much better to do things in relationship. Just like the early church, we set, as we begin to send out, we set a time of prayer and fasting. And so for us, starting January 14th is 21 days of prayer and fasting. And we're going to have a guide for you you can get. It's going to explain what is fasting, what's the goal of the fast, what are different types of fasting. And it's going to have a prayer prompt for every single day of the 21 days of prayer and fasting. So you will not be alone. We're going to, we're going to walk it with you. But I encourage you to engage in a corporate fast. Now, some of you are like, wait a second. You don't eat for 21 days? That's not what I'm saying. For experienced fasters, sure. But a lot of people, we encourage them. There's multiple types of fasting that occurs, and we list that out, okay? So if you're freaking out, you're like, are we just drinking water for 20 minutes? Well, I'm going to have to find a different church. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. But engage in a corporate fast. And third, begin to put this prayer into your life. You ready? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as God, what should I do for this new job opportunity? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. God, what should we do in our finances? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, this person really annoys me. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, I don't know what to do with my family. We need you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I, with this country needs you. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Would you stand with me this morning? 
That's how we're going to end today. We're going to pray together. God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then what we're going to do is I'm going to invite our prayer team. In fact, you guys can come up now. They're going to be praying. And if there's a situation in your life where you're seeking the will and ways of God to be manifest, maybe it's through healing, through restoration. Maybe you, you need to be renewed, whatever it is. Our prayer team is going to pray for you. I know they're facing you, so maybe that's intimidating. But they're like some of the nicest people in our church, so don't be intimidated. Uh, but they're going to be up here to pray. And we're going to end in a time of worship and a time of believing with you that God's kingdom would come and his will would be done in your life as it is in heaven. But let's pray together before we jump into that. Would you just bow your heads with me? If you're here in this place and you're saying, God, I just long to set my heart on heavenly realities, whether that's through fasting, whether it's just through seeking you, whether that's through preparing for the new fast or the new year, God, I just, my long to set my heart on heavenly realities. And my prayer, Lord, is that your kingdom would come and your will would be done. If you want to join in the unity of that prayer, would you just lift your hands with me this morning? Well, I'm going to pray over you. I'd just be honored to pray with you this morning. God, I thank you for your great and glorious kingdom. God, I thank you for your goodness, the goodness of your perfect kingdom. God, I thank you that you've sent your spirit with us, that your spirit dwells with all of us. And we lift our hands as an act of recognition and surrender to your spirit to say we yield everything to you. We yield our attitudes. We yield our expectations. We yield our plans and our purposes. We yield our families. We yield our jobs, everything. We lay at your feet and we say, God, amongst our whole life and in our city and in this valley, our prayer is that your kingdom would come come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven as we prepare for this fast God that's our prayer that your kingdom would come your will would be done even in this Christmas season even a month and a half away from the fast our prayer is your kingdom would come in mighty and powerful ways and renewing and refreshing winds God and move upon lives and restore families in your mighty name Amen. In your mighty name, amen. We're going to worship today. And I'm just saying, man, if you're believing God to do something in your life, I release you to come receive prayer as we worship the close service this morning. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.